Well, good morning again. It's good, good to be back. Uh, and I missed last week, I was preaching at the Methodist Church down the street. It was a good experience, but I missed, missed being with you. They send uh, their, their greetings. They are our, our partners in ministry. They were hosting for Family Promise the week after we just did it. So I got to share with them how much of a blessing it is when churches unite to serve in the name of Jesus. And so uh, they just said, thank you for um, letting me be borrowed for the week to be uh, over there. Uh, I appreciate Lars's word. I got a chance to listen to his sermon. It was a really fantastic uh, sermon on the book of Philippians. Philippians last week. He did a great job walking us through the beginning of uh, Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to build on uh, some of what what he said. One thing that uh, Paul mentions here in Philippians chapter 3 is the concept of forgetting. And I think generally when we think about uh, forgetting, we can often get it a little bit wrong. We can say the phrase forgive and forget, right? We say that and we can kind of think that that's just equated. It's like you, you forgive, but you also forget. But I'm not really sure that that's true. And we're going to talk about that and why that is a little bit this morning. When I was a junior in college, I played intramural basketball, and my team was not like good enough to be in the top league. There was A, B, and C. We weren't that bad, so we were in the B league. But as we competed in our intramural um, basketball team, there were two people on the team who were really good, not me. I was mostly a sub who would come in uh, here and there, but we got to the semifinals and it was kind of a big deal. There might have been like 50 people there, I don't know, kind of a big deal. And a lot of, a lot of buzz in the gym that night. And our team was down by uh, two points and the coach, who's one of our friends, inserted me into the game because the one thing I can do, I'm not very fast, one thing I can do is shoot. And so he thought it'd be good to have me into the game at that point. And one of the guys who was really good got the ball inbounded to him with about two seconds left. And everyone went to him and he passed it to me. I took a couple dribbles. I had a pretty easy layup and I missed the layup, but I got fouled. And so it's that moment that you have in the backyard where you like pretend you get fouled and then you go to the line. So I'm standing there at the line, down uh, two points, intramural B-League semifinal game, the kind of thing you dream about as a kid, you know, uh, in the backyard. And um, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good shooter. I go through my routine to take the deep breath and I shoot the first free throw again, down two points and I missed. And the air kind of fell out of the gym, all 100 people or so. It's all getting bigger in my head as we go along. Uh, all, all the people uh, who were there, and I missed, so we're down by two. So the only option you have is to intentionally miss the next free throw um, with just one second left, so then one of your teammates can hopefully grab it and, and put it back in. But the problem is it's actually kind of complicated to do that because you can't um, throw it just off the backboard and back to yourself. You have to hit the, the rim, otherwise it's the out of bounds to the other team. So I was trying to figure out exactly how, how to do this, and I throw it exactly at the angle that I think I need to, and it hits the backboard, then comes, forth, comes forward, hits the front of the rim, and then falls through the hoop. So now we're down by one. The other team just inbounds the ball, and the clock immediately runs out. And when I was trying to make it, I missed, and when I was trying to miss it, I made it. It was one of those just like, this is unbelievable. And it was just funny because people the next day were just, they would see me around campus and just say, I feel so bad for you. Uh, and I just say, I'm going to get through this someday um, and I'll, get, I'll make it happen somewhere in my life. And when you have those, those moments of failure and maybe you've had a very public failure, maybe it's way worse than an intramural league basketball B-league game where you maybe started a business and it didn't work or a, a marriage failed or Something else happened in your life when it was seemingly kind of public and you're wondering, you know, how, how do I get through this? What does it mean 
to move in a different direction. And I think that can be especially hard in, in communities, in a, a church community like ours. I think it's, it's hard sometimes when we are, are, are working through things. One of my mentors in, in ministry, um, he said that church discipline is one of the hardest things. It's just, it's hard to figure it out because you're like, you're a grace-filled community, but you also want to call people to, to a high standard. What does it look like for us to find ways to move forward in things together. It's extremely difficult. It's kind of like a minefield. One of my friends one time texted me this, this picture from a church sign. I thought it was pretty great. What will we never do? Pray for Doug. And I'm pretty sure that was a sermon title, and then the church is hoping to kind of get people to pray for a specific issue that Doug is having. That's like the, the best read that I have of this, but um, I mean, it's kind of like you re- walk by there, you're like, what did Doug do, right? Like, <laughs> and I'm hopeful that the situation was that they like have a sermon title and someone named Doug has an issue. But in church community, it can be hard sometimes, right? When, and I don't think it's actually happening, but whatever Doug did, you know, is it, it, it's can be hard to figure out how, how do we collectively move forward and the issue is, I think it's not just because collectively we have a hard time moving forward. I think it's because individually we have a hard time moving forward. We have a hard time understanding, you know, how can I move beyond what, what I am? How can I, you know, not let that thing define me anymore? And that's what I think Paul is, is getting for us, is trying to get us to think about because forgiveness isn't forgetting. In fact, it's, I think, way better than that. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 tells us this, Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I'm not totally arrived there yet. And in fact, this is one of those things that I think we constantly could live out. But I am going to continue to progress. I want to try to to improve myself. I want to continue in this direction. But as I'm in this process, one thing that I do is there's stuff that is all behind me. and, And I forget about that. And I move in a different direction. But if you're reading through this passage, and what Lars did a great job talking about last week, is Paul talks about his past right before this, which is a bit weird. He basically says, if you go ahead and put the slide up that that Lars had last week, um, Simon, I think it's on there. Next, maybe. Um, Yeah, go the one after that, I believe. Yeah, there we go. So here are the things that, that Lars talked about so well. He talks, talks about actually some good things in his life, that he was correct religiously, that he did some stuff. He was from the right tribe. He wasn't converted into Judaism. He was like a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a big deal. And as far as like keeping the law, he was a Pharisee. And he's basically saying, like, I did some pretty good stuff religiously. I was a pretty big deal. In fact, I was so passionate about it that I persecuted the church. And this is an interesting resume because, again, there's some things that you would say are are like, yeah, that's, that's pretty respectable that you did that. But he's saying it was such a big deal for me. I was so passionate about it that I was even willing to persecute people who didn't believe what I believed. 
that I was zealous about that. I was so passionate about living out my faith that I was willing to, to go after those who didn't believe what I believed. And this is something that Paul consistently brings up. If you go back to that slide previous to this one, Simon, Acts 22, um, he says, Paul, Paul is saying this, when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. This story is told in Acts chapter 7, Stephen the martyr in the church, and Paul basically says, like, I was there, you know, somebody was going to stone Stephen, and it's the Christian type of stoning, and um, as, as I was going to, to do this, um, I, I was there as people were, like, needing to take their, clo- their cloaks off to go and throw stones. I was there holding them for him. I was giving my approval. I was saying, yeah, this, this guy deserves to die. This is what Paul talks about often. Like, he just brings this up, that he was persecuting Christians, that he was on the side of people who were persecuting Christians. He just consistently brings this up. And in some ways, I just want to say, man, how do you do that? Like, could you be comfortable if we were just to pass a mic around today? Could you share, like, your deepest, darkest sin? Perhaps even if it's, like, 20 years old. Would you be able to just say, you know, that this is the thing that I'm perhaps most ashamed of? Could you do that? And that's what's fascinating about, about Paul is he brings up this stuff and he says some good things that he participated in, but he's also able to, to bring this up. And I think it's because Paul has a different way of viewing things. One that I think we need to, to try and, and get into our heads a little bit because Paul, like, he just speaks with a different sort of freedom from his past, one that we don't often have. And what do you do when you think about the past? Here's an old picture of me when I was in grad school um, at my fashion peak, perhaps. Uh, This this shirt is actually one of the first ones that Mandy made me throw away when we got married. This shirt is an interesting story. I was working with a youth group in Kansas City, and this guy came one time. He was one of the volunteer leaders, and he brought about 30 of his old shirts. And he said, I think you should give these out as prizes to the youth group. Uh, And I was like, who wants that as a prize? Like, here's your prize, like 1997 Bible Camp. And like, who, who who would do that? And so then I just... I used a couple of them myself. This was one of them um, that we were going on a mission trip to Mexico and that volunteer happened to be there. Yeah, there's a lamb inside the uh, Pledge of Allegiance thing. And and then he saw me wearing that on the mission trip and and he said, you're not going to give those out as prizes? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. But when you see old pictures of yourself, we can go back to the full image. Yeah, when you see old, old photos about how things used to be, you might wonder, like, what was I thinking? Like, that was obviously previous to someone critiquing my wardrobe on a consistent basis. Uh, I mean, what, how, how, did I, how did I wear my hair like that? Or what, why did I think that was good? And many of us who grew up in the 90s were very confused about some of the things um, that we were wearing. And it might have been worse if you grew up in the 80s. I mean, who knows? And you look back at some of these things, and, and you, I think, we just naturally believe, well, I've progressed past that. You know, I used to think that was good, or I used to think this was okay, but, you know, I have progressed past that. But I think if we're honest, I don't think we do all that easily. 
It's often these same patterns that we can struggle with. It's often these things, and we just kind of naturally think like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm progressed past that certain time, or I've moved beyond it. But without some good critical thinking when it comes to spiritual things, and without actually thinking about, okay, here's the, the trap that I fell into, and here's how I could improve in the future, without actually really thinking through that, I think we're always going to struggle with the same sorts of things. And part of the reason for that is the concept of forgiveness. And generally, again, we think of like forgiveness and forgetting as the same thing. But I would argue that it is much better than that. Because let's be honest, there's certain situations and things that perhaps have happened to you where forgetting is just not possible. Like if you've had something really negative or really hurtful happen to you, you're not going to forget it. Like perhaps you've been abused in a relationship and you're not going to just forget that. You can't like take a pill and just pretend like that all went away. And that's why forgiveness actually is way better than that, because forgiveness is saying, yes, that happened to me, acknowledging perhaps, sometimes it's actually in a conversation with the person, like this happened to me. Yes, it was extremely hurtful. Yes, it was really hard for me. It's really hard for me even to talk about it now, perhaps. It was extremely hurtful but I love you anyway. Or I am releasing you from this. And honestly, it is a little bit of your own release as well. It's saying, I'm not going to let that define me anymore. So it's not just pretending like you can forget about some of this really painful stuff. It's actually saying, yes, that was hurtful. Yes, that was hard. It was very difficult. I honestly had a few years of my life that were affected by that, but I choose to respond in love anyway. And this is so important for us because this is what God does for us. Jesus on the cross acknowledges that sin has a price right? That there's something to be paid for what has happened. It's serious. But God chooses to love us anyway. And that, I believe, is how Paul is able to write. Again, like, could you write your deepest, darkest sin to like a room full of people? Like, hey, church at Philippi, let me tell you about some of the stuff I don't really want to talk about. But this is how Paul lives. What if you could be so free from your past? Not just your past failures. Sometimes it's our past successes that haunt us the most because you think about, oh, well, things were so much more successful like five years ago. And nobody wants to hear about the good old days for that long, right? And could you be free from your past successes from your past failures because you view them through the lens of Christ? And so Paul writes to this church and he gives a long list of all the stuff that he's been involved in, the stuff that he's been doing, but he says, but I, I'm going to forget those things. And a better translation in understanding what that might mean for us, it can be translating this concept of forgetting, but another way to translate the word that Paul uses there is overlooking. I think that might be a helpful way to understand it. That yes, I know it's there. Yeah, it maybe it was really difficult for me. Maybe it was really successful for me. But I am overlooking that because of who Jesus 
is. Christ calls me to look at all of my life differently. When I think about the past that I've experienced, I see those things as learning situations. I see them as ways that I can grow, as ways that I can grow in my patience and enduring and in love and all of those things. But I'm going to take a different sort of look at my life moving forward. A word that Paul uses a lot in the book of Philippians is the word phronesis. Here it is. Um, you now know a Greek word for the day. Congratulations. And in the book of Philippians, he, he uses this several times, and he's basically writing to this group of people, and it's this, the meaning of the word is basically like mindset or understanding. And so he's inviting them to have a different sort of mindset, a different understanding, that you thought about things in a certain way, but now you have a different mindset. You have a different approach to how you would live. Do you, if you are a Christian, if you're somebody who believes in Jesus Christ, do you have a different mindset? Do you think about your past in a different way? Would you be willing to say, you know, whether it was really successful or whether it was really hard, I'm seeing it all through the lens of Christ. I've learned from those things and I am moving forward. Because there are moments that we all need to recognize that, that Christ died for us and we can move forward and Christ then can retell that moment in our life. What is it that you're carrying around? Because if you are like Paul, perhaps what would be really helpful is if there's some dark stuff in your past, some stuff that's difficult for you to deal with, maybe it would be best for you to come face to face and acknowledge it and say, Christ loves even me. Because I believe that some of the angriest people in the world are people with their own unresolved stuff, right? They have things in their past, they have issues that they're trying to kind of avoid, and then they can like take it out on other people just to soften the pain on themselves just a little bit. What if you could look into your past and say, you know what? God loves even me. Christ died on the cross even for me. Then you see someone like Paul who just so freely can talk about what's happened that's been successful, but also say, yeah, I persecuted Christians too. Because Christ is putting a new lens on this. Paul invites us to have a new phronesis, a different mindset, a different kind of meaning. Do you have anything in your life that's haunting you? That you just keep bringing up or keeps coming to the surface? What would it look like for you to look at that thing through the lens of Christ? I think you might be shocked by how much love is available to you. One of my teachers in grad school told the story about a young woman that was at his church. She was 16 years old, and she got pregnant. And he had heard through the family that she had gotten pregnant, but she stopped showing up to church, especially as she began to show. And he went over to the house to meet with her and her parents, and they started talking, and he found out that the boyfriend was not in the picture anymore. And she said, I just can't go to church. 
it's just too hard. It's like for me, I, I carry this thing that to me feels sinful around all the time. And it's just so hard. And he said, well, you're welcome. And we would love for you to come and participate. But he could tell it was hard for her to believe. And she ended up coming a, a couple months later. At this point, she was about eight months pregnant. And at the end of the service, they invited people to come down and just have prayer. And she got up. She wanted to participate in that. And he said the most beautiful part is she didn't make it two rows down before she was surrounded by people who were hugging her and praying for her. And it was one of those Sundays that feels like church should actually feel like perhaps when they just basically stopped service because this young woman needed words of encouragement and love. He said this woman who didn't necessarily feel all that comfortable coming back, she was shocked by the love that she received. And that church helped to raise that child. I think there's things that all of us struggle to believe that could I actually be loved even there? And the truth of the gospel, I believe, is yes. You are loved even there. And that's why it's not forgetting. In fact, it's way better than that. Christ says to us on the cross, I know what you've done. I know what's on your heart. I know some of the things that are in your mind that you wouldn't even say to anybody. But I love you even there. What would it look like for you to build your life around the resurrected Christ? And so look at the things that you've done that you're proud of and to not just think about the good old days about when things were better back then, but to say, you know, I'm thankful for, for that season of my life, but I'm not going to live 10 years in the past anymore. Were the things that are ashamed that you bring you shame and cause you uh, to question yourself, what would it look like for you to say, God loves me even there? God died on the cross for that. Really, the cross in and of itself is, is a centering thing for all of us because there are times in all of our lives when we're feeling pretty good. Perhaps you've been volunteering lately. You've been going with us to Ascensia lately. You've been going to Family Promise. You've been doing the thing. You know, you've been really uh, involved in what we're doing. We're volunteering a lot of time and hours and doing that stuff. Every once in a while, we need the cross to tell us, yeah, but Jesus had to die for you. We need the cross to center us there. But other times, when we've walked through some hard seasons, perhaps when we have been engaging in behavior that we wouldn't necessarily want to participate in, when we've had those things that are in our hearts and our minds that we aren't too proud of, we need the cross to center us and say, Christ says that I'm worth dying for. And I don't care about the other voices in my head. I'm not going to let the other things compete in my head. Christ says that I'm worth dying for. I'm so important that Christ would die for me. 
We all need a cross-formed identity so we don't think more of ourselves than we should and we don't think less of ourselves than we should. But we think that we are worthy of Christ's calling on our lives. And if we could look at ourselves and our past that way, what might it change? Would you be willing to be more vulnerable? Would you be willing to share your burdens? Would you be open enough to say, yeah, this has been difficult for me, but I'm going to allow a community to come around me and love me and remind me of the shocking love of Christ? Because you just don't know. I don't think we all know how loved we are. And Christ redefines our past and helps us as we move forward. So Paul says, here's all this stuff that I did. But I believe because of who Christ is, that stuff is overlooked. Yes, it's still there. Yes, it matters. I can learn from it. But I'm not one more day going to let it define me.